St. Dominic's Catholic Church in San Francisco presents a homily by Reverend Pastor Father Michael Hurley on Holy Thursday, April 18, 2019. Today's Gospel is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, proclaimed by Deacon Dan Rosen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So during the supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean all over. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet, and put his garments back on and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow. So that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. I no longer call you servants, but I have called you friends. Friendship is at the heart of these holy days, this holy triduum, particularly tonight, Mass of the Lord's Supper on this holy Thursday. In his last supper discourse, we hear in the Gospel of John that kind of a conversation that the Lord has, which, in fact, we will hear in its entirety at the culmination of our altar of repose, sometime around 11.30 tonight, if you're still 
active and alive and awake and join us for that reading of the Last Supper Discourse. Jesus summarizes his mission and contextualizes, if you will, the meaning of these coming events of his passion, his death, and his resurrection. And he does it in terms of friendship. He says, turning to his apostles, I no longer call you servants. Why? Because a servant does not know what his master is doing. He says, I have called you friends because I have shared with you all that I have heard from my father. And isn't that what friendship is all about? Sharing one's life with another. When it comes to friendship, there's, there's few things sweeter or more delightful in life than friendship, right? Having a good friend. What does it mean to be a friend? To spend time with someone. To have experiences of joy and sorrow implies usually a kind of a lapse of time, right? To really get to know someone, to both, in a sense, offer forgiveness and be forgiven. In short, to share the totality of oneself with another in a kind of mutual reciprocity, right? Friends, what do they do? They double our joys and they have our sorrows, right? They increase the joy of any experience and they lessen or diminish times of sorrow and woe to be connected to someone else. And make no mistake, tonight Jesus offers each one of you his friendship. And this should be good news, right? This should be astonishing in some ways to the apostles. It was because we don't often think of our relationship with Christ in terms of friendship. What do the apostles call Jesus up to this point? They call them rabbi, right? Teacher. Or perhaps Lord, Adonai, right? Or even Messiah, anointed one. And we too can think of God as our creator, right? The one who's created us. We can think of God as someone who models for us or can inspire us, even our Savior. But friendship seems a little too intimate, perhaps even too familiar. What would it mean for us truly to be a friend of Jesus, to open our hearts, to hear that call to friendship that he's making tonight in the context of his Last Supper? And perhaps we might think of those ways in which we might be shy or reticent to accept and to respond to that call. Perhaps uh, the image of Peter during the washing of the feet is a good example for us. Christ is washing his disciples' feet. He gets to Peter, and what's Peter's first response? Let me paraphrase. No way, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not unlike sometimes when a parish is gathering people to try to wash feet, <laughs> looking, for, <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking for folks <laughs> who would have their feet washed. A little reticent, and that first reticent might truly be that we're a little shy. We don't feel worthy, right? We don't feel worthy. Peter doesn't feel worthy. He says, after all, for that great catch of fish, he says, depart from me, Lord. <laughs> I'm sinful, right? I'm not worthy to be in your presence. We can think friendship is just too intimate, too deep a kind of relationship to have with God. And in fact, if you look in terms of philosophically, if you will, friendship applies a kind of equality, a kind of peer relationship. And yet there seems to be an infinite gap, an infinite distance between the creator and his creation. 
right? I mean, friendship implies a kind of mutual independence, a kind of freedom, and let's face it, we are completely dependent on God. How could we be his friends? Or put it this way, when it comes to to love, if God does not love us, what happens to us? We cease to exist. We just don't die. We, I don't know what that would look like. Pop out of existence. I don't know what that would look like. We, we cease to exist ontologically, right? Okay, turn it around. What if we stop loving God? What happens to God? God's still God. Nothing, right? From his point of view, right? Total dependence. We're totally dependent on God for our existence. How could we possibly have it? You don't call someone who's dependent on you or on whom you are fully dependent a friend necessarily, right? It's that friendship. Well, Christ knows this. And so he continues right after he gives that invitation to friendship. He makes it clear that he understands there is this gap, this chasm, infinite difference, distance. And so he says, let's get something straight. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you to go forth and to bear fruit. If we think we're unworthy to be friends of God, we're right. (laughs) And yet, and yet Christ knows that and he reaches out to us. He spans that gap of infinite distance with his all-consuming love to share his life with us, to give us his love so that we might be in a relationship of friendship with him. And this is perhaps sacramentally no greater place and found than in the Eucharist, which we celebrate tonight, the Holy Eucharist. We believe that under the appearances of bread and wine, Jesus shares the entirety of who he is. What do we say? Body, blood, soul, and divinity. The entirety, the fullness of who he is with us, right? So that we might have a share in his life. He shares everything with us so that we might make a response to that call to friendship. We're not worthy. And in fact, this is what we say right before we receive communion, right? The priest will hold up the host and say, right, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to what? The supper of the Lamb, the wedding feast. Who gets invited to weddings? Family and friends, right? We're on the wedding list. We're on the list to come to the eternal banquet, right? And what's our first response to being on the guest list, so to speak? What do we say? Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you, right? We'd name that. We'd name that. But then what do we say? Only say what? But only say the word and my soul shall be healed. And what word is that? But the word of friendship, that call to friendship. And so we come tonight and we open our ears to hear that call of friendship as you come to receive communion, sacramentally or spiritually, to come as if you were greeting a friend, as if you were welcoming a friend into your home, to be inspired and expectant to have the Lord be with you, remain with you, and to empower you in the same way a friend would. And if you're feeling unworthy, 
get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about the Lord's love. The Lord is the one spanning that infinite gap with his love. And if we do this, if we true, truly receive the Lord as a friend, what's the result? Well, it calls us to service. It calls us to, in fact, be a friend to others. We see this, once again, in the washing of the feet. Because after Peter, after Peter first kind of says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And he has that kind of hesitation, perhaps the unworthiness. Then he gets a little more insistent. Lord, you will never wash my feet. And what is this but perhaps that instinct we have deep down that if we truly accept the Lord's call to friendship, it means we might have to make a few changes in our life. (laughs) It means there are people whom we'd rather not be friends with, (laughs) that the Lord would call us to share that same invitation to friendship. Peter knows, well, if I'm called to do what Christ does, and Christ washes my feet, what does that mean for me? Logic 101 here. I'm called to wash others' feet, right? We are all called to wash others' feet. And let's face it, that's not always a a very enticing proposition, right? Some people's feet, some relationships kind of stink, right? We're not compatible, right? We don't seem to necessarily get along. find it difficult to love or to forgive, to put ourselves at service. And yet, once again, the Lord is saying it's not your strength, but that commandment I give you to love one another. What does Christ say? Greater love than this no one has than to do what? Lay down one's life for whom? For one's For one's friends. He's called us to give of ourselves. And I I can't help but think in terms of service, the Lord calling to service of my own call to priesthood. Today being the celebration of the institution of the priesthood. And how grateful and thankful I am that the Lord called me to that sense of service. Not because I was worthy. By no means. You can ask my family or the brothers I live with if you want any, any, any marks on that score. But simply because he wants to be of service through my priesthood. And to be joined by my, my fellow priests, Bishop Robert, wonderful to have you here. Uh, all of my fellow Dominican priests, clergy, and deacons. And I was thinking in this moment, how many years of priesthood do we have right here? Father Christopher, it's your first year, right? <laughs> You're right out of the gate, newbie. <laughs> but for others, you know, for myself, 11 years, Father Vincent, the same, and so on. Adding it up, we probably have nearly 100 years of priesthood. Actually, I see Father Anthony in the back. Let me recalculate. <laughs> nearly 200 years <laughs> of priesthood around the altar tonight. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> But what a great moment of celebration to know the hundreds, the thousands, the tens of thousands of people the Lord has touched through the service of the priesthood. Lives changed, the sacrament given, healing, forgiveness, anointing, reconciliation, the spirit coming alive. So we give thanks to God for that sense of of service. And what does that service look like in our own lives? 
It's interesting, but one of those aha moments I had in college, part of my own discernment, my Dominican life, was reading uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. We're going to do a little summa here. Fasten your seatbelt. Are you ready for this? We're going to do a little deep dive. Father Christopher's excited, I can tell. (laughs) I was reading the Summa, St. Thomas's Summa, and I got to that section, in the second part of the second part, question set 26 for those taking notes, where St. Thomas asks about the relationship between charity, love, and friendship. And he asks, is charity, the love of God, that thing that never we never lose? St. Paul says, love never fails. That which never fails, that love of God, is that friendship? And I read that question, and I thought, I was a senior by this point. I was like, ah, well, no, that can't be quite right. We must distinguish, right, that charity would be a larger category than friendship because we're called to love everyone, but we're not necessarily called to be friends with everyone. This is good. So I began to read the reply, starting with the objections, and I got to the second objection, and the second objection was exactly what I was thinking. And so was the third objection. And if you haven't read St. Thomas ever, if you ever find yourself agreeing with the objections, spoiler alert, you're wrong. Or at least you haven't made adequate distinctions or dealt quite deeply into the nature of of his response. Because in his response, is charity friendship? He replies in the affirmative. He said, charity is defined by friendship, nothing other than friendship. And he uses all that I've said up until this point in this homily to unpack that. Christ saying, I no longer call you servants, but friends and greater love than this no one has to lay down one's life for one's friends. He says, friendship, true friendship, mutual benevolence between two people is rooted in that sense of what? Of gift, right? To paraphrase that sense of giving of self in every way. It's what Christ offers us. And so quickly, feeling a little bit timid, I raced right to the objections. How is he going to get out of this one? (laughs) What's his answer going to be? And St. Thomas, in responding to the notion that charity might be, in a sense, more broad than friendship, says, you have to distinguish. Okay, we're going to distinguish. But he makes a very interesting observation and one that was an aha moment for me. He says that when it comes to friendship, there's a kind of, and I'm paraphrasing, a kind of direct friendship we would have with someone, but also, if you will, objectively, a kind of indirect friendship. A way of putting this is a friend of my friend is also my friend, right? It's kind of distributive property in in friendship. And so he says, for those who are enemies who hate us, who we wouldn't naturally associate with, or even those who could lead us astray, those who didn't believe in God, who might be morally bad examples for us, we are still called to be friends. Why? Because of that friendship we have with Christ, right? And God calls all to friendship, so we are called to love and to be of service to all. And that was For me, that was like a mind-blowing moment because when it comes to service, I think we naturally think, and I certainly naturally think, why do I do something good? Why am I of service? I might think of the good thing that I do. It's helping someone else. Or it might be because I feel good about it, like I'm ennobled when I do something good. What St. Thomas says and what Christ himself says, those aren't deep enough reasons. Certainly, there's a good thing done. Certainly, you're ennobled by this. Someone has helped. The deepest reason for service is that when you act in love, friendship is created. 
God's presence, his love, comes into being in a new way that has not existed up until this moment. You are co-creators of love with God. Nothing better than that. That's what friendship is, to act as a second self. Aristotle says a friend is a second self. You're acting as God in those moments of service. Tonight, Christ says, I give you a new commandment. We heard, uh, in fact, uh, the choir sing, and as we wash the feet tonight, we will hear that great mandatum. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And the Lord knows this is not easy, right? We're not necessarily worthy of his love, and yet we come to his sacrament that we might be of service. So come. Come and expect to receive a friend. Come, open your hearts. Let not your unworthiness or the challenges of life or those failed relationships, broken relationships, keep you from receiving the Lord Jesus. Because when we receive the one who is at the core of our being, we can be the one whom we have received. Amen.